Welcome to Everything Life Coaching. I'm John Kim. And I'm Noelle Cordeaux. We are the founders of Journey Coaching. We're super passionate about all things coaching and want to share what we've learned from over a decade of coaching and training over a thousand life coaches. Dive deep into a more meaningful career, find freedom, and make an impact on the world around you. Hey folks, today we're going to talk about the three-point framework for flourishing. Noelle, good morning. Good morning. Oh, I like how you um, are singy songy today. I know. And, and I don't have my sound effects. And so I have to do them myself. Oh, nice. Are you, you sound happy. That's good. I'm happy. Are you happy? I'm happy. And you know, as I just uh, took a sip of coffee, cold coffee, uh, it reminded me, I got an email and someone said, um, we love you, but can you please and, and please don't take this the wrong way. Can you please, please, please not slurp when you're doing ah. audio stuff? And, was, and at first I was like, wait a minute, I could do whatever I want, you know, ego. And then I was like, you know what? When we are talking, we are intimate. A lot of people put on headphones and, and we're intimately in someone's ear, which is very different than watching a video. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I should I should um, be respectful and not slurp and stuff like that. So. Okay. Well, here we go note. then. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a great note and it'll, well, let's see if we can segue us into our topic today, which yeah. is um, a three-point framework for flourishing. And I think we can use coffee and enjoyment of coffee as a theme here. So let's, let's stay with that for a little bit. Yes. And both you and I are um, coffee drinkers. Yes, we are. Um, so when you take the time to either go purchase or make yourself a really nice cup of coffee, what does that do for you? How do you experience it? It's my morning um, wake up. It's my, um, and I, I'm a little bit of a coffee snob. I purchase and I buy the expensive pour over stuff and uh, it, it wakes me up and gives me, um, you know, the, it gives me the green light to start my day. I do the same. I've kind of ritualized it where I have one cup of coffee uh, when I first wake up just to get moving. And then before I sit down to work, I make a second one. And that signals kind of entering a new space for me. So according to what we're going to talk about today, what we are both describing is a ritualized aspect of our day that involves contentment and it's part of our three-point framework of flourishing. Mm. So, um, yeah, and what, let's let's talk. Let's just real quick. What are the three points? One's contentment. Yep. The other is achievement, mm -hmm. and then the other is hedonic. So, is the idea that these are kind of the legs of the table? If the table was flourishing, you need these three things. Yes, and it's a little bit more specific than flourishing in general, because flourishing in general could be like a butterfly that goes in all sorts of different directions and zigs and zags. And what we're talking about with this three-point framework is a really simple way of looking at sustained and sustainable aspects of flourishing, which is a little bit of a different cut than things that bring us pleasure. Yeah, pleasure can feel plastic. Pleasure can be temporary. Um, to me, when you say flourishing, I think of thriving. I think of, you know, um, running toward our true north. I think of meaning. I think of evolution. 
Yes. And thriving is a great word. So let's juxtapose that up against the term happiness and the way that social construct fits in as far as, you know, it's, it's what I typically refer to as the Coke commercial mm, of life, right. right? That there's, there's this idea, especially in America of American happiness. And so many people fall prey to this idea. And this idea of your life as a snapshot, your life as a moment, your life as one thing that will signal to you or other people that you are happy, you have made it, you have arrived, uh, is called impact bias. Mm. Yeah. And also living in LA, it's maybe, maybe it's a kombucha snapshot instead of the Coke. (laughs) Yeah. It could be the kombucha snapshot, but, but what this is impact bias is the tendency of people based on societal norms around achievement and pleasure to overestimate the initial impact and duration of any singular event that has any kind of emotion or esteem attached to it. Okay. You have to say that in English. I, I don't, I don't, um, those words are too big for me. So when you say overestimate um, the initial impact and the duration of the emotional event, what, what, is, what does that mean? Street level. Yeah, street level. So, you know, overestimate, right? So we're thinking into the mm. future so that we're, we're not living and existing or thriving in our present. We're not looking at the day-to-day moments, like brewing a nice cup of coffee or snuggling your kid or just checking in, you know, how do I feel today? But we're holding in our our heads certain future events, like buying a new car, getting a house, getting married, passing an exam, graduating from a certain institution, that these things are either social checkboxes or personal checkboxes. And that when you arrive at this um, state, which is a, a transitional temporary state, all of a sudden, you will then have the stamp of Yes, this happiness. is one of the things I um, struggle with the most. Um, I'm, I'm much better at it today than I was uh, a decade ago. But uh, it's putting your life on pause until that thing comes. And then when that thing comes, then you could hit play again. Um, but for most, that thing never comes. So your life is basically on pause. Absolutely. Or the thing does come, but the level of increased happiness that you feel at the completion of that cycle only lasts about three months. Yeah. And then, then you put your life on pause until the next thing. Exactly. Do right. I have your permission to fox with you a little bit on this based yeah. on what I know and love of you? Wait, did you say fox? Yes. What is that? <laughs> I've never heard that before. Fox with me. It's, fox with me. It's it's like boxing with you, but mm. foxing with you. Wow. I learned something, a new word today. Okay. Fox with go. me. Fox with you. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. So talk to me about cars and houses. Yes. I live in Los Angeles. <laughs> yes. And, 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 they mean something. And they mean something. And, and you love cars, right? Like you absolutely love cars. Yeah. I love um, machines. I'm a gearhead, but, um, when you live in LA, you know, uh, the, the, hundred thousand dollar car in Los Angeles is just kind of like, you know, the Honda, it's the con, it's not a big deal. And so growing up in LA, being a gearhead, um, just being exposed to, you know, all the sports cars and all the fancy cars that you see here. I mean, all of this is bananas to me, but we're going to go with it. And then, you know, thinking about a house, I know that purchasing a home for you was a milestone 
in yeah. your life? Yeah, it had a lot of meaning and uh, it was a big deal. Um, just, um, you know, renting in apartments uh, most of my life. And uh, I, I bought a condo once in Cape Town. And it's funny because my dad said, you're just buying air. You're wasting your money. <laughs> you're not buying any land. Um, but yes, uh, finally purchasing a little ranch style house in, up in Altadena. Um, it, it meant something to me. Okay. And while you and I have been in each other's lives, there have been many kinds of vehicles that have come and gone. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Motorcycles, cars. And I know that, um, you know, throughout these chapters of condos and cars and houses, um, you've, you've really deeply struggled with meaning, with happiness, with peace, with joy, uh, with relationships that are, are connected. Um, am I, am I right? Am I wrong? How close am I? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, okay. I, yeah, I, I think I used to, um, put a lot of weight on, um, material objects, um, you know, um, aesthetics, stuff like that. So thinking about the house, right? Um, three months has now passed since you purchased the house. Mm -hmm. Have you retained an elevated sense of happiness? Or have you experienced maybe, all right, this is cool. And now I'm looking towards the next. Yes, um, this is cool. I mean, I have, of course, moments of gratitude. But um, yes, this is cool. Now I want a swimming pool. Now I want... <laughs> I, and we, we, you know, we, I would just keep throwing money into it. You know, let's build a better bathroom and can we buy another house? Yeah, of course. It's, it's, it's that stuff. That keeps yeah. yeah. So this is normal. And I want to highlight that this is absolutely 100% normal in the literature. This is called hedonic adaption. Mm. And this is how humans get stuck in the hamster wheel of life because we live in a capitalistic society that constantly gives us commercials of things that we don't have and scripts based on where you live that that run through your head around what you should have what others have and then the moment that you get something it's really 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 absolutely wonderful and then give it three months and you're going to want something new yeah absolutely um i do want to give myself a little credit i do have proof i'm going to wave this like a kid who got an a on his uh, uh report card uh I just went to Vegas and speaking of hedonic, um, because I live close to Vegas, I've been to Vegas many times growing up in LA and usually it tugs on all of my, um, I don't know, vices. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sitting at the table, I'm gambling, I'm doing, you know, I'm not going crazy, but there's debauchery there. And this last trip, although it was a work trip, it was the first time in my life where I had zero desire to, um, gamble zero desire to go out to part all i did was sit in a hotel room um, and did some work play with my phone and ate and so i thought that was a good sign that um you know i'm, I'm not uh hitting pause on my on my life and, and chasing after that uh, anything that feels good that's awesome i'm super proud of you and we can validate and give cookies and a plus on that report card 
A hundred percent. So what John's describing and, and where, we're, where we're at with this idea of hedonic adaption is that when we begin to notice it and say, oh, every time I go to Vegas, I want to play with things because it's, you know, shiny stuff, really mm -hmm. cool things, um, where this view misses the ball, the next car, the next house, the next job, the next degree, is we start checking the boxes off of our life and we don't take the opportunity to look at how we feel while we're living. Mm. What we do instead is we construct a show and tell to set up conditions that represent a life, but the experience of a life is something different altogether. How do you think we exercise and strengthen that muscle? Is it through being present and meditating and dropping into our body? I mean, I guess everyone has a different way of doing it. It could be. And, and you're right. Everyone does have a different way of doing it. But this is where we come back to that three point framework, because being in Vegas and having fun is important and wonderful. Um, working on your life from an achievement perspective is wonderful. Mm -hmm. And so is taking the time to have that cup of coffee in the morning and settle into your day. And so there are lots of really wonderful positive psychology frameworks out there, but I like this particular one because of its absolute simplicity. Yeah, absolutely. I love simple, straightforward things, and this is one of them. This is. It comes to us from Kate Heffron, uh, who runs the Applied Positive Psychology program at the University of East London. And Heffron's really interesting to me because she began her work in positive psychology by studying um, our bodies and how we connect to our living bodies through sensation. And so when she started and enters uh, the reader into this framework, she talks about achievement and how achievement manifests in our body and how society is so very oriented towards achievement, both physical and mental. Mm. So most people spend most of their time striving and chasing in the achievement category. And there's some important things to know as we truck down this path is number one, if you're living in achievement, it's physically impossible to be where you need to be, which is around 80% at both physical and mental. So you have to choose one in order to live in balance. Right. You can't do 80% physical and 80% mental at the same time. And then looking kind of at the other end of the spectrum is hedonic. And depending on what your own personal value system is based on where you grew up in your family of origin and the values of the culture that surrounds you, everyone is going to have a really different and perhaps difficult relationship with pleasure. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you grew up in, in LA, it's very different than say, if you, you know, live in Africa, your definition of pleasure. Or Iowa. Yeah. Or Ohio or Maine or South Carolina, um, you know, and depending on, on maybe the level of religiosity, where you are permitted to experience pleasure. Is it in food? 
Is it in sex? Is it in drugs? Is it in music? Is it in dancing? You know, where does pleasure come from? And pulling back, we live in a society in the US that was formed by puritanical thought where pleasure is looked at this thing that we all want and we're all a little bit scared of it at the same mm -hmm. time. Yeah. So when we're working with clients in this way, we need to start getting in touch with the different frames that might sit on the edges of achievement and pleasure and say, okay, is there any unhealthy thinking around these two edges that we need to contend with? How do we need to reframe our relationship with achievement and pleasure? Um, you know, what's interesting is, so, you know, a third achievement, a third contentment, a third hedonic. Um, if I look at these three um, growing up, uh, the, the, it wasn't uh, balanced like this, you know, so I think um, hedonic was very high, <laughs> you know, it's more than a third. Um, achievement might have been lower, and I don't know where contentment was, but I love this idea that um, uh, like an equalizer, you know, you play with these three things until there's there's more of a balance, and that's what's going to um, equal thriving and flourishing. And if there's, you know, if these are unbalanced, then um, your your life can be unbalanced in a way. If, if these three things are unbalanced, any aspect of thriving that you achieve will not be sustainable. Right, so it'll be a short ride, you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and so step one is kind of evaluating, all right, you know, where are we at with these three things? And then step two is sourcing our client's relationship with each of the categories. Um, typically, when we use this framework in coaching, contentment, is left out entirely as something that is important to cultivate in Western society. In Eastern society, it's very different. Right. Um, contentment is, uh, is a big part of everyday life and that's beautiful and important. So understanding where your client comes from, from a cultural perspective is important. And then also, you know, this is pretty common sense. If you spend all of your time chasing pleasure, of course, your life is going to be out of balance. Yeah. If you spend all of your time chasing contentment, that's not good either. And then achievement is objectively killing us as a society. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love this. Yeah. So there we go. It's, it's a pretty quick and dirty framework. It's a great way to orient your client. And just to review, what do we need to know? We need to know that hedonic adaption is real. We need to know that in America, at least, most people are seeking the checkboxes, whether it's a relationship, a house, a car, a degree, a certain level of salary, and that the way to undo it is to pull out these foundational concepts and figure out our relationship with them and really get in there um, to kind of draw out dysfunctional thinking and then bring to the fore what health looks like in each of these arenas. Yeah. Well, we hope you found this episode helpful and uh, take a moment and, and, and think about uh, achievement, contentment, and, and hedonic in your life and the role that they play and, and how much weight you're putting into each one and what it would look like for them to balance out so they're you know a third each and play with that uh, and what that looks like in action behavior thought and um, you can set yourself up to, to flourish um, and, and make that flourishing sustainable absolutely 
Thank you so much. And come see us at Journey Coaching if you want to play in the sandbox with these items. That's one of the things that having community does for you is it gives you permission to deepen your relationship with all three, achievement, contentment, and pleasure in a healthy and meaningful way. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Be well. Thanks for listening to Everything Life Coaching. If you're feeling the draw to become a coach, head to journey.co slash everything to explore a new career that brings fulfillment, gives you a true sense of purpose and a strong community to do it in. We created Journey Coaching to equip you with the tools, training and community you need to attain your goals. Join Journey Coaching and begin your journey towards personal freedom and a transformative state of growth today. That's jrni.co slash everything.